Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. Hey guys, Maximilian X here on the top of the episode um, with a special message from the team. We made a survey to gauge what people think of Game Rivals. Please fill this in as it will help us make the content that you would enjoy. The link for this is in the description for the episode, or you can find the link also on our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. Thank you for your attention, and now back to the main episode. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Game Rivals. I'm here with my very good friend, Maximilian. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing very well. Oh, okay, that sounds really nice. So really deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the deep voice of sickness is back. So it's sounding, a really, it's sounding super weird. Okay, I guess you're also kind of uh, dealing with something there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, my apologies for my voice sounding like this. Hopefully in the next episode, it'll sound a lot better. Yeah, so how you been besides being sick? Uh, I've been yeah, pretty good. Um, I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of games the, uh, the past couple of weeks, so I got some stuff to talk about there. That's um, good. Other than that, it's been kind of a dull start of the year. Um, I mean, well, a dull in the sense of, of course, it's January, so there's not a lot of news, but we have had some big news. In the world of um, delays. Oh my god! And it's all all of a sudden like <laughs> it happened. It, like multiple. It happened yeah, so fast Okay, well, no, there's nothing coming out in the beginning of the year. What are we gonna do now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, as 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 far as as far as the titles that people were really anticipating. I mean, it, to be fair, it started with The Last of Us. Yes. But right? we know last year, The Last right? of Us first got delayed, but that, at least that they announced last yes. year. You know, they announced that months ago. And then suddenly, what, a week and a half ago or a week ago? Or maybe it's not even a week ago, ago I, think. I think. It was like, yeah. It's just like, bam. Square announces that it's going to delay Final Fantasy VII for a month. And it's also delaying Marvel, uh, Marvel uh, Avengers, for five months, because it was supposed to come out in May, and now it's coming out in September. Hopefully, the characters in Avengers oh. will actually look like Western people instead of Japanese-inspired Western people, because that's still bugging me. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. Like they said that they're gonna do polish, and with that a lot, with that amount of time. You could argue that they could change the models, but if they did that, then I'm afraid that we'd have the whole crunch situation again. And I'd rather not be thinking that they're crunching because if they're doing a delay, I'm rather hoping that they're giving themselves more time, yeah. not just to you know, not just to crunch for five months. Yeah. So there's not another game that got delayed, which was kind of sudden and a bummer, which is Cyberpunk 2077. Yes. It got delayed till September 17th, I believe. Also five months, because that one was actually supposed to come out on April 16th. To be honest, I'm not surprised that it got delayed, and actually I'm happy that it got delayed, because I expect it to be like a Witcher 3 plus, plus, plus from a game mechanic and size point of view, so I'd rather have that the game is really polished. So that when it comes out, people can just enjoy it instead of all these game-breaking things or quests not being in place or whatnot. But here's the joke, because they announced it on their own Twitter, um, on, on their own Twitter feed uh, with a note attached to it. But the note says that the game is actually fully playable. And then, then yeah, probably. And 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 the reason why they're delaying it is so that it can be the best that it can be. Don't they always say that? And like it's kind of like when it's they done. always they always say that, but they also added that little caveat of uh, this was not in the announcement, but like in a later 
Um, in a later interview with uh, the head of the studio, Adam Badowski, um, he was, well, he was kind of, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he had to admit that, yes, during that period of time, there'll probably be periods that they'll have to crunch, which is already mm-hmm. bad because they're delaying the game, which means that people are already not seeing their families for an additional five months. And there's also going to be crunch during that period. For a game that's pretty much done, I don't know what how, I don't know the level of polish that they want, they want to add in that time, but unless the game is the the least bug ridden thing that I've ever seen, and the most prettiest game that has ever been, I gotta wonder why they did the delay though. I uh, honestly don't know uh, because. Uh... I was talking to a friend and he said that, uh, and I, it's it's like really uh, um, too far-fetched, but he said maybe it's delayed because they got a huge bag of money from Google so that there can be the best version possible on Stadia uh, and that Stadia becomes the best place to play. Uh, I'm like, okay, that's um, far-fetched. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, I would understand it from Google's point of view, but um... So you're saying they're trying to pull an Epic Game Store? Well, it's not something new or strange if it would happen. Well, I mean, it's not, but if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like that, I would have to I would have to believe that if you're gonna do something like that, you're you're re, you're, you're admitting the fact that you do not have the resources to get your own games out because Google still hasn't put out their own games on Stadia and they have like zero exclusives. Um, And they say that they're going to have exclusives in the coming months, but a that's, I hardly believe that. And it's just, even if it is, it's going to be, you know, those timed exclusives, yeah, probably. you know? But they're also doing stuff internally. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but when do you think those are going to come out? Plus, by the time they do come out, do you think people will still care about Stadia? Um, I'm actually hoping Stadia opens up pretty soon that uh, we can finally, um, what do you call it? get Stadia Pro or the normal Stadia so we can try it out if you're a non-founder. Because, you know, I mean, like, yeah, we've bashed it a lot, but I'm actually just still curious to try it out because, you know, um, the technology apparently is good. um, And hopefully the developers that bring out their games will put out the right version. So it is that promise of uh, the best place to play on the highest resolutions and fidelities instead of, Destiny 2 full HD medium settings being upscaled to 4K. Um, I, I want to try it. And I actually, I had suspected after all the negative backlash they got that they would just open it up by now and say, hey, okay, um, or maybe they'll do it in March because then it's GDC again and they'll be the announcement like, hey, we're opening up Stadia Pro and we're also coming up with a free version of Stadia. You want to know what the, you know what? I heard something funny recently like this last week on another podcast that was talking about an article where Google was saying that in the coming month or so, um, they are pushing, they're pushing the fact that they're, that all the games by that time will be running in 4k finally, because not all the games are running in 4k just in time for the people that have the three month, uh, Sorry, just for them to for their three months to run out, and that's just ridiculous. Are you okay? I see you like uh, coughing uh, really loudly. Uh, yeah, it's... maybe take a sip of water. <sighs> yeah, but um, that is kind of that's kind of crappy if that's true. Yeah, you know because. You've spent three months beta testing for them for 130 bucks. 
and you couldn't even experience the full the fullness could, of what it's supposed they could to be. like uh, i don't know they could make it up they could add features on top of the people that had stadia uh, that were a founder and then you know they could do like tears or something anyways i just want to prevent this i'd give him another three months is what i would have done That's for right, another yeah. under i kind of want to prevent this turning into another stadia bash because we've had <laughs> enough of those uh you know it's 2020 uh, it's new year let's give him a fair chance fine sure let's move on um anything else you want to add? not to the ru- the delays but i have a, a rumor or maybe two rumors and uh, apparently mm-hmm. the one I'm going to tell is already an old one, but I just found out today. Um, I was a pretty big fan of the game called SOCOM US Navy SEALs. It was a game made by Zipper Interactive, mm-hmm. which was a Sony-owned studio. And, and you had a hidden gem about yeah, it Yeah, and it's um, it's a game that, that at the time came out for the PS2 and it was this super cool tactical shooter. It had a single player, but it was actually more the multiplayer that shined. And... Um, for a couple of games, they were really good. On the PS3, they did two games. Both were not as good as people wanted to. And then eventually, Shoney shut down the studio. Now, there's a rumor circulating that Guerrilla Games has a second team that is working on a SOCOM game for the new PlayStation. And it's going to be a multiplayer-focused SOCOM game. They have, in secret, been recruiting people that have been working on SOCOM games in the past, such as the ones on PSP or the ones on PS3. Um, I honestly hope they're doing that because they were, they're supposedly doing this next to Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Um, mm. I honestly hope they're doing that because that would be really cool. Um, we didn't get a SOCOM game in the PS4 generation. The last SOCOM game was SOCOM 4. And... I personally like that one, but a lot of fans didn't like that one. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of hope that that's happening. Um, and it also ties into my second rumor that um, apparently Sony's going to host, there's a multiple dates being dropped that Sony's going to host the PS5 reveal event in February, kind of like they did with the PS4. We spoke about this earlier. Um, and that yeah. um, the price point will be between, oh, it will be $4.99. Um, I don't know. I think that is the max what people could pay for it. Um, I hope it's around four forty nine, uh, or maybe like multiple SKUs that they say, okay, you have a three ninety nine version with a small SSD and four ninety nine with a large one. Um, apparently, Gran Turismo Seven is coming out as a launch title. Naughty Dog is coming up with a new sci fi IP. Um, a whole lot of stuff that just sounds out of place. Um, apparently, there's a rumor to fe- February 5th or February 24th um, event. So who knows? It's uh, only a couple of weeks. But I think the one for the 5th is pretty unlikely because the invitations would have gone out by now if it was going to happen then. Well, not necessarily. I mean, they could have gone out. Um, I mean, they could still go out this week if they wanted to because the 5th is two is like next week wednesday something like that <clears throat> yeah so um the 24th also seems likely because that's a monday yeah. um but if it's a, if it's the 25th then we probably won't hear anything about you know people getting into invitations to that at least till a week in advance uh yeah probably so maybe Maybe we'll hear more about it on the 17th or the 16th, something like that. But uh, the titles are kind of like with the except with the exception of the Naughty Dog one because it's like a sci-fi thing and okay. Um, not that they're also not working on so- on something else called The Last of Us Part Two, but sure. Probably the um, Uncharted team is where. If it's true, then the Uncharted team should be working on this sci-fi game. All right. I mean, if you say so. Um, and yeah, I mean, I uh, untitled uh, uh, so, so Sony Japan title. It's like everybody can say untitled Sony Japan title. It'll probably be something um, weird again because the Sony Japan studio always make these unique, strange, and weird experiences. I like their games. You're They're fun. Into They're everything weird. Japanese, so you know. If it was I mean, a, weird a Japanese you would still say, oh, that's pretty interesting. No. If it was a turd with a smiley on it and it's called Mr. Pooh, I don't know. I won't get into this. But you, 
Okay, but that's that's literally the gameplay of Wadham you're just describing. Oh, wow. right now. Oh, there's even a gamer that does that. That's just horrible. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's uh, that's the rumors going on, and uh, I think you had something about a direct. Uh, what's what? What might happen? Yeah, the last rumor is. Um, I mean, I, we've I've talked about it the past the, the 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 last episode too. Is that there has to be another direct coming for from Nintendo? I thought it was gonna come this month. They did, but it was for Pokemon and. Um, yeah, I don't know what, yeah. Sorry for that little interruption, people. Uh, we had some uh, technical difficulties. But uh, I'll just uh, finish my thoughts on that rumor um, for that Nintendo Direct. As I was saying, I honestly thought that we were going to get a Direct this month. We didn't. We got a Pokemon Direct instead, which announced the Expansion Pass and the uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game. Um, Yeah, still weird. It's still weird that Pokemon is getting DLC, but it's it's the natural progression of things, right? so it kind of has to after because that, it's we, like the modern I, thing these days. I mean, it's the modern thing to do, but you have to consider that Pokemon was always a portable game. And, you know, portable gaming has not really been indicative of getting DLC unless you're on PlayStation Vita or PSP or whatever. Um, because, I mean, DS and 3DS games have had DLC before, but the Pokemon franchise has never done it. So this was huge and kind of a culture shock, I think, to a lot of fans. Um, but we did get another video which revealed the final character um, for uh, Smash Brothers, which is Byleth, the main, the, 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 um, the protagonist character for Fire Emblem Three Houses. Nice. So, yeah, um, people were uh, upset. Because another slot went to another Fire Emblem character. Um, at least, at least the gameplay looks interesting. Um, uh, the DLC should be live sometime this week, so I haven't tried it yet. But on the next podcast, I'll talk about it and what we've been playing. Um, but suffice to say, yeah, it's, it's been very divisive. Um, but that was not what people were waiting for. They're waiting for the big. Sp- you know, the big direct for the new year. That's going to talk about the first quarter up until the first half of the new year. Um, we know that animals crossing is coming September 20th. Yeah. September 20th of uh, September, uh, March 20th. Dang those delays. <laughs> um, which is kind of funny because that was the date that it was given. And then they said, you know, they had to delay it till March 20th, even though we never got a delay in the the uh, a first date in the first place, which is which always baffled me, by the way. But um, hopefully, I don't know if we're if if they're gonna announce something, then it's gonna happen within the next forty eight hours. Can the direct uh, um, be like so sudden? The directs are always sudden. They're all at the least they're. They're 24 hours in advance. At the most, they're 72 hours in advance. Okay, wow. The average the average time is mostly 48 hours in advance. So and it's always announced on Twitter. So uh yeah, if if you're uh, listening to this on the day this comes out and you haven't heard anything on anything yet, just check out Twitter and uh, it might it might drop. Um so that's it for news. So stick around and we'll be right back with what we've been playing. And we're back with uh, what we've been playing. Sean Templar, what have you been playing? I haven't been playing a lot, actually. I was just mentioning it to you that I have these moments in which I play a lot and then I have these moments in which I'm just not motivated at all to play, which is kind of difficult. (laughs) I'm just catching up on a lot of TV shows right now. 
But in the meantime, I have been able to play a little bit more Death Stranding. It's like a teeny bit hour of Death Stranding. Uh, I'm stuck somewhere now that um, the, um, the BB I have, so he has like a stress level. And if his stress level gets too high, then he will kind of go into what is called autotoxemia, something like that. So he doesn't work and he's just out of sync and constantly crying and like, ah. so it, his his functionality to spot BTs doesn't work then. Uh, and I am in an area riddled with BTs. I just can't seem to uh, get out of it. Um, so <laughs> every time I try to sneak away, I get drawn in and then I'm like, oh, okay. And I have to do a boss battle. When I was doing a boss battle. It was this huge it looked like a whale merged with an octopus. It was a really strange creature. So it had the body of a whale and kind of the head and the tentacles of an octopus. Really strange. Only Kojima. Yeah. And then I was, you know, throwing my grenades at him, trying to kill him. And then all of a sudden he just does this massive super attack and he whop, eats me and I'm dead. I'm like, okay, I don't want to play this anymore. You know, <laughs> just turn it off. Uh, so I, that's where I was. And then with... Um, Call of Duty, I've been playing it some more. Uh, they've added um, another... Uh, they keep on changing the playlist, which is really nice. So now they have this playlist, for example, which is Shoot House meets Shipment. So those are really tight, close quarter maps. So it's really fast action. That makes it really fun. Um, I'm trying to focus more on the challenges right now because that kind of keeps it interesting, you know, trying to unlock everything for all the weapons and do certain assignments and stuff like that you know get new skin so that's kind of fun um there's not a lot much that's changed there are rumors floating around that uh call of duty will get a battle royale mode i kind of hope it does and then um yeah that rumor has been floating around for a while hasn't it yeah yeah they said it was gonna be uh in the like in the q1 2020 but uh it was like last year that it was circulated and after that there's kind of been like no more news or something like so it's vague hmm. okay so what else have you been playing or that's it um today actually i was in the china will grow larger movie again oh, no. so i fired up <laughs> uh, <laughs> i fired up three kingdoms again and since the last time i've played three kingdoms which is probably like uh last year like uh, maybe two months after it came out so mm -hmm. i haven't played it in a couple of months and the game has been updated a lot and they've added expansions as well so you have the the mandate of heaven expansion which is set in a in a little bit different time but it has more uh, characters added to it um they added at the time the dynasty mode which is kind of like a horde mode you have three heroes and you have these waves of enemies that you have to survive it um so i just started a new grand campaign again and now it's funny that you can choose if you want to do like this massive campaign in which you just have to conquer the all of China, which um, I did last time. But you can also kind of follow a story with objectives and then you play with multiple warlords. Um, I just wanted to do the grand campaign again because that generally takes the longest and I kind of like to play with one character. So mm -hmm. now in the last, my last campaign, I was Liu Bei and he was the, the head of the kingdom of Shu. And now I'm Sun Jian, which is the head of the kingdom of Wei, uh, Wu. Um, and the, the cool part is, is that all these characters have different traits and different attributes, and they also have specialties and kind of different play styles. For example, Liu Bei could um, go up to certain factions and just assimilate their settlements into, their, into his own faction without fighting, um, which is pretty nice. And Sun Jian is more of a, you know, like a true warrior. So he has something called um heroism so you get points the more you fight so you get caught you get motivated to constantly go into battle uh, and if you don't do that for a while then it will drop uh, your heroism and it has different stats and attributes so it's a completely different play style and there's another character for example he's called Sao Sao and he's more of a diplomatic manipulating manipulating yeah so he just kind of tries to instigate micro wars between the factions uh, against each other so that they can fight and you know that they kind of fight it out and he just swoops in and then either uh, takes their lands or and creates his stability yeah something like that so it's really cool um, I do have to kind of get into it again because um, I was just 
creating an army. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, what does this character do? Oh yeah, and what does his attributes? And what kind of units do I need to pair with him? And I was like, kind of a little bit of overwhelming because, you know, it's been months since I played it. So I was like, oh yeah, where do I find how much money I have? Oh yeah, in the upper <laughs> left corner. Oh yeah, where do I find my food? Oh yeah, it's there in the lower left corner. Okay, okay. And the uh, diplomacy again. Oh, what can I do? Oh yeah, I can trade, trade. So it's, I'm kind of getting yeah. my, my adjustments in. And after we finish recording, I'll probably put in some hours again. Because I'm really in the mood to unify China and make China grow large again. Oh man! Yeah, actually, actually, that that is kind of I've been on a similar tear as well because I started playing Kerbal Space Program again. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, not just on my PC, but on my on my on my MacBook, which Ooh. you know, it's, my MacBook is is it's, it's kind of old, so it's running, mm-hmm. but I have to use certain tricks to make sure that the game is not chugging yeah so for example um when i build a rocket and it's lifting off yeah i have to angle the camera to the sky so it's only showing the rocket because you know the sky is just a skybox it's not rendering anything so that means that it's running way better um what else uh yeah so i've been doing that i've been doing the career mode um on my macbook and i've been doing the um, the sandbox mode on the PC because you know the PC my PC runs better than my MacBook and I can make crazy contraptions in there. The thing that I like the, the ironically the thing that I like building the most on um uh, in Kerbal Space program is the is the fighter jets, well fighter jets. This is the planes because you can build planes in um in Kerbal and I accidentally made a scramjet I just put a scram engine on it and I was like, ah, it's not going to go fast. And it was the top, the, the fastest speed that I booked on that was, I think, um, what was it? I think it was a thousand, I think it was 1200 meters per second, which calculated comes to Mach 4.5, almost 5. So I made a jet that went Mach 5, and every time it got it went too too high, it started burning in the atmosphere. <laughs> Which meant that every time every time I tried to go up, it was either burning up. And the other challenge with that one was it had the most annoying time taking off. Every time I tried to take off, the thing would wobble incessantly, but that's because I made the most unstable plane ever. Because they had two big engines hanging off the wings, and then it had the big engine in the back, which was the scram the scramjet engine, and that thing just goes. So, um, yeah, aeronautics not my thing. Um, I love probably... the fact around Kerbal that I've seen a lot of videos online of people making these crazy, crazy contraptions. Or they oh, they took the months to make that. Yeah, like or they, they make uh, these um, inspired. Like I'm a Battlestar Galactica fan, and there's just one guy who made a huge Battlestar Galactica ship, and then he tries to dock his fighter into the ship. Like, holy Ooh. crap, this is so cool! Oh, docking. Oh, that is something that I'm dreading. I'm doing the career mode right now. It's going really slow. I don't know if I'm ever gonna make a space station where I can dock, but. Yeesh. Oh my god. That that process alone scares me because you can you can automate it. Um and that would be great to learn how to automate stuff in Kerbal because I think that's gonna help me a lot. But I can't even I I'm relearning how to get to the moon. Okay. And the great thing is is that it's, it's something that I've never done is use the in-game tutorial system. It's kind of slow, but it actually explains why things work the way they do. Like, for example, how the parachute system works. Apparently, you can adjust everything in the game because, of course, you can. <laughs> Why not? And I, and I knew that you could do that, but I never knew the purpose of it. And I didn't want to play with it if, if it messed something up. But one of the things that I learned, and it's something very basic, is that you can set up the parachute so that it activates um, when it hits a certain criteria. So when you're above uh, if if you're above the 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 planet's surface um like say n- uh, 9 kilometers above the planet's surface that's when it deploys the um, that's when it deploys the uh, parachute okay 
That's nice. But it doesn't but it doesn't fully deploy until you get closer to the Earth's crust, like about a kilometer above, mm-hmm. and then it deploys fully and then it slows you down. That's nice. Yeah, so you can even set it up so that it's armed, but it doesn't set off. It doesn't deploy until it reaches that. It's so cool. Wow. But, oh, man. So I'm going through the tutorial now for the campaign mode because you don't really need it for the sandbox mode. Um, I, what I do want to try is that someone made the Millennium Falcon. What? And I tried to play it, but I, th- that, that system is kind of weird because you can just post stuff on Steam Workshop yeah, and it'll it. filter through into the game. It does that with Total War as well. But I didn't figure out how it worked until afterwards when I was playing the campaign on my MacBook and I was like, okay, next time I play on my PC and uh, sandbox mode, I'll do that. Because it looks really well. I saw videos of it. It's like, wow, this looks like, this is like a almost a perfect replica of the Millennium Falcon. It's so cool. Um, um, if only your PC was strong enough to run Total War Three Kingdoms, we could just co-op it. Yeah. I think you'd love it. Yeah, I mean, I need, I, need, I really need to upgrade that PC because there's a lot of things I want to do um, for the podcast, and I can't because I can't because my PC just won't cut it anymore. Um, hopefully, in the in the new future, I can do that. Um, but yeah, so I've been playing that. I've been playing. Um, what else? Have been, I've been playing some stuff on the Switch. I've been playing. Ah, dang it! What's it called again? Um, I've actually been playing Final Fantasy Nine. On the oh, switch, okay, yeah, 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 I got pretty far. I mean, I think I'm like I'm past the halfway point. Um, if anybody who's ever played Final Fantasy IX, a little bit of spoiler if you haven't, um, I've reached the point where I'm gonna go to another world, so that's actually really cool. Um, I I have all the characters now, so my party is complete. Um. And I like I like the I like the I like this port because they added a bunch of uh, quality of light features that honestly make the game a lot better. <laughs> That's nice. Normally they just port it over one by one, so it's cool that they made any improvements. I've yeah, played so Final you Fantasy Nine, so I wouldn't know what, but you can you can speed up the battles. That's nice. It has a fast forward, or you could speed up the game in general. Um, you can uh, enable. Uh, max max damage so every time you hit even if it's a normal attack it's 9999 <laughs> so you can literally beat every every battle in like one or two hits Yay, that's um, fun. it is fun really? <laughs> the first time i did it I was like oh that's kind of fun especially if a boss battle and some of the i don't know if the i don't know if the boss battles are or the boss's health is based on your levels, but for some reason there are boss battles that took multiple nine nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine damage before they died. Like that is insane. They have over twenty thousand. Um, they have over twenty thousand hit points. I don't even remember how you 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 used to use to play this game without this function, but it is impossible. Um, so that helped a lot. It saved me a lot of time. It made me go through the game a lot faster than I would have. So I've been playing that. Um, I've also, um, uh, booted up. <laughs> You're not going to believe. <laughs> I booted up Nintendo Labo. Oh, that's been a while. It has been a while. Um, why is because, you know, Nintendo does something really cool. And I don't think that a lot of, I don't think, I don't think Microsoft or PlayStation does this, at least not in the way that Nintendo does it. So this requires a little bit of background. The switch has the news channel and they, and you can subscribe to the news channel for whatever games that you own or don't own. The cool thing about, um, Nintendo-specific games, you know, Nintendo public games, is that they will post special downloads for those games in the news channel. So if you pay attention to the news channel, you can get some really cool stuff. They did that for the first year of um, Breath of the Wild, where you'd get special recipes. So they 
So they'd say like, oh, this is a recipe that you can use to cook in Breath of the Wild. And they'll give you the ingredients so you can try it for yourself, which is really cool. And even if you don't, even if you've already claimed them before, the recipe is still on the news channel. So you can always go back to it. Oh, this was that recipe for this item. And then just gather the items and use it there. The same thing they did for Nintendo Labo VR, or Nintendo Labo in general, but specifically for VR, they have they um, in the in in Nintendo Labo you can make your own experiences. You can program your own stuff. What they do is in the in the in the news channel is that they post their own creations as samples that you can use to make your own games. So I've been downloading a bunch of them and checking them out. Some of them are really cool. Some of them are also um, topical. For example, for the New Year, they had this New Year's um, shrine, like this Japanese New Year's shrine with a mochi on it and a tangerine and everything. And you could, um, like, so in in Japan, when you, when you celebrate New Year's, you go to the shrine and you can get your year's fortune. And you, they even have the box with the fortunes in it, so you can you can shake it out, and they have like the descriptions of what the fortunes are. If it's good, it, if it's uh, if it's a lot of luck, a little luck, bad luck, and then you shake the box, the the fortune comes out. You check which color you have, and that's the luck that you have. Wow, which is really <laughs> weird. They <laughs> also so made it, them all those. They also made this really rudimentary maze game that you could download. Which is really weird because they had, you know, they have these stock figures walking back and forth, and it's kind of horrifying. But it's really cool because it's like, oh, okay. So if you want to make a maze game, you can use this as a foundation to understand how it works and make your own maze game. Wow, nice. So I've been checking that out a bit, and um, the last thing that I've been playing is a game that I actually recently bought on the Switch, um, which is called 1980X which is this weird visual novel 80s retro hybrid game where you have these mini games that are like 80s inspired arcade games. So the first one is a you start off with a beat em up. Um there's a R-type kind of R-type slash um life force kind of game. There is a Auto Runner Shinobi style game. I'm looking at it right now. Really it looks pretty cool. It is pretty. Like the aesthetics are really on point. And like I said, it's a, it's kind of a visual novel. So in between those games, you have the story happening. It's following this kid. So you're the kid playing these games in the arcade. And it's about this kid's experience in the suburbs and wanting to go to the city and wanting more in life which is you're really curious to see where the story goes but at the same time you're always curious what the next game is that you're going to be playing um yeah it's really it's the 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 retro games are quite challenging actually so it looks really cool and stylish it kind of reminds me of of those nes snes games yeah, I mean, they're, well, they're based off arcade games. Actually, um, one of the games is a Outrun kind of game, and it looks like Outrun, like it has the super scaler and everything. So it looks like the Outrun arcade game. Nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been playing also that a bit. PS4, I see in the trailer. Yeah, I mean, it came out first on PC and PS4, yeah. and and um, they really wanted to have it on Switch as well, so it just came out on Switch. Nice. Yeah. So that one, I I totally right for people that are looking for something nostalgic but also something different. I totally recommend 1980X because it's gonna give you an experience that you probably weren't expecting, but also didn't expect to love. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, that's it for what I've been playing. Nice. Yeah. Wow, I actually did talk a whole bunch. <laughs> I told you before, I haven't played a lot, so the stage was yeah. yours. All right, so uh, stick around, people, and we'll be right back with our hidden gems. <laughs> 
Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to our last segment, Hidden Gem. I don't think... Hidden Gem! <laughs> oh, no, that sounds so crap. No. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think you can do that because of your voice, uh... and then you do, you do this, and it's like, oh my god, that's so bad. Dang you, voice thingy. You need to record that, man. No, yeah, I need to record it like when I'm, when I'm healthy again. Not sounding like this weird Al Pacino-y guy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Hidden Gems. I actually have one um, that I kind of hinted at during our decade in review. Um, it's one of my game, my personal favorites um, of the decade, which is the Stanley Parable. I uh, actually been playing that a little bit as well lately. And for those who don't know what the Stanley Parable is, it is a, um, uh, what's that, Source Engine game. Um, so, you know, the same engine made Half-Life, Half-Life 2, um, you know, the Orange Box, those kind of, those, those games. And uh, this was made by uh, an independent developer, small team that worked on it. And it's about this guy named Stanley. And Stanley is working this dead-end job where all he does is punch in whatever um, whatever assignment gets given to him from his superiors. He doesn't know who they are. He just gets the order on his computer and just punches in the codes. <laughs> and one day, a, narr- a narrator starts narrating about his life at work and that he doesn't get any assignments anymore and then he starts to get up because the narrator said so and then you basically what happens is you're Stanley and you're walking around your office building and the narrator tells you what to do now um, since it's a video game you get choice and you can choose not to follow what the narrator does and that's where the real fun happens. You can follow the narrator to a T and you will finish the game in less than five minutes. You can also be a total and complete jerk to the narrator <laughs> and just completely disobey him with every turn you go. And the fun thing about that is that the game is set up for you to explore, to figure out what is the deal with the narrator? What is the deal with where you work? And what is the real what's the real point behind it? And of course, that means that the game has multiple endings. Like I said, if you play it the first time and you follow the narrator to a T, you'll be done in less than five minutes and it's boring. But the fun part starts when you start playing it multiple times and go through multiple loops. The narrator starts to go insane. He starts to blame you. He starts to do weird stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, oh, man, Stanley's Parable is probably the... If you want something completely off the walls, different, and make your... You know, games that you play where you have choice, and it's mostly just, like, you're good or you're bad, and, like, you only have those two outcomes... Yeah, this is none of that. This is just you trying to see how far you can push the system. And I have I've yet to get all the endings. And I want to get the all, all the endings. Yeah, but was, it's, what I was gonna ask is there are there multiple endings in this game? Or is like yeah, the one with mul- the narrator and one without the narrator? Okay, like switch in between. No, it depends on how you it depends on what you do. But here's the cool thing. It has um, basically any decision that you do has an impact. So whenever the game restarts, it still remembers that you did the choices that you did beforehand. So at a certain point, you... <coughs> oh, dang, sorry. You okay? Oh, you're getting one of those cough attacks again by the looks of it. Hey, man, you gotta get, keep drinking the water, you know? Yeah, I know. I need to keep hydrating these uh, these pipes of steel over here. Um, but yeah, you um, 
you get these, I mean, you get these restarts, right? And whenever you restart, the game remembers. And at a certain point, I don't, here's the thing. I don't want to spoil a lot of it because a lot of it is the experience. But at a certain point, without spoiling too much, you reach a point where you're, where the game actually shows you a certain progression and it shows you the possible progression that you can make beyond that point. And it's the most meta thing I've seen in a video game in a very long time. I don't think I've seen anything that meta in a video game um, done that well. And you're just trying to memorize what you're seeing so that you can per- so you can reproduce that path and get to the true ending, the true ending in quotes. And it's just the weirdest thing. It's just, and the, and of course the narrator is British because if you want a good narrator, he's got to be British. So he has this British voice and he talks like this and he has a very distinct accent and he tries to guide Stanley to the right place. And whenever Stanley does something that is basically disobeying the narrator, he gets all upset and in a hissy. Wow. I think I, I, I didn't know this game, but I think I have seen like fragments. Oh, you've seen. Because like, when you're you've doing that narrator, you've had the very least yeah, heard of I it. I can place that somewhere. Yeah. So totally recommend. I'm not going to talk more about Stanley Parable anymore because I don't want to spoil the game. But if you've never played Stanley's Parable... It's cheap on Steam. Pick it up. It's not that intensive of a game. So you, even if you have an old rig, right? My, it even runs on my MacBook. Oh. And it runs smoothly on my MacBook. And I already told you my MacBook is old. <laughs> so just do it. Like, There's no reason why, if you have not experienced the Stanley Parable yet on PC, that you, that, like, unless you don't own a PC, then my apologies. You're missing out on one of the most interesting conversation pieces that you'll probably experience. Um, but if you do own a PC, get it, get it now, play it, play it multiple times, and let me know what you think of it. Let me know how far you got in the whole cycle. Um, were you able to get to the truest ending, or did something weird happen to you? Anything's possible in Stanley Parable. Nice. It kind of reminds me of uh, Gary's mod. That was al- always uh, one of those popular things on the uh, theme and source. And you know, at the beginning, I feel like there was a lot being done with source, a lot of crazy projects. And these days, it's kind of died out. Some games now even run on source. I believe. I mean, the original Titanfall ran on source. I don't know if Titanfall Two and Apex also run on source, but. Uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure Apex Legends actually runs on Unreal. Mm. I know that the first one was uh, the first Titanfall ran on Source. Oh, okay. I mean, Source, here's the thing. They, they've updated Source, but I don't think I don't, I don't even know if like Project if, if uh, Half-Life Alex is running on Source, because it's a VR game. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I don't know what the status is of the Source engine, Maybe but here's the thing. The Source open. engine was one of those few engines that was free and good, and people could actually work with it. The mod community around the Source engine was really lively, and that was in a time before you know you had Unity, before Unreal Engine went free. It was before that time. Yeah, because it I was can, the only uh, thing you had. Remember that uh, Crytek was also all big with CryEngine at the time. Yeah, but you have to pay for CryEngine, yeah. and then when it went free, it nobody cared. Yeah, because it went free too late. <laughs> no, really, it went free after Unreal Engine went free. Yeah, no, well, you sure was it not free before? Because yeah, I can re- because Unreal Engine three went free yeah. for people to use to a certain extent, and then CryEngine went free. I do think they had better terms when they went free, kind of to one up them. They had better terms, but they but but Epic adopted those terms and kind of made it moot. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I'll talk about my hidden gem. 
mm-hmm. I've talked about this game before, but not as a hidden gem. And my hidden gem is Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, and because... The microtransactioning? Yeah, the microtransactioning. Yeah, the funny thing is, is, so when the first Star Wars Battlefront came out, I kind of felt uh, was it was... It was okay, but it was not really my game. I'm, and then that might cause a lot of issues by saying this, but I'm a fan of the, um, the f- episode one, two, three trilogy. So kind of like the Clone Wars trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are fan. But you are. I am. Yeah, because I just like you know the Clone Wars and uh, that there were a lot more Jedi's out there at the time. I'm not saying necessarily that the that the movies are that great. It's just more like I like that era in Star Wars. Oh, so, okay. like, a lot of Jedis are still alive, and there's still this hidden Sith um, threat, but they can't really play something on because they think that the Sith is there, but they don't know, you know, stuff like that. So I like that era, and mm-hmm. it was completely left out of uh, Battlefront 1. So for Battlefront 2, they added it in. It was kind of the selling point. And... Yeah, when Battlefront 2 came out, it had a huge controversy on it because it had microtransactions, which were basically you needed to, even if you bought the highest tier of crystals, you would still not be able to unlock everything, which was kind of a bad thing. So like Mm -hmm. the day before the game came out, they turned off microtransactions. And after that, um, they went on this kind of redemption path to fix Star Wars Battlefront. So what makes Battlefront cool is is that there is a there's a single player campaign because the first Battlefront did not have that. Uh, you play mm-hmm. as Aiden Versio, which is uh, kind of like a special forces trooper in the Empire, um, and your father is this big admiral who has a pretty high standing in the Empire, and you're doing everything to make him proud and stuff like that. And you're just you're part of this special forces group that gets sent out to complete special assignments for the Empire, uh, kind of like a commando squad. And then something happens which causes you to turn sides uh, and you all of a sudden join the rebellion. And then because you're kind of like an insider, you have insider knowledge, you know how a lot of things work. Um, so you start to fight the Empire, which is pretty cool. Um, there's even a part in which you play as Luke Skywalker because you see Luke Skywalker on a planet exploring and then you play a kind of a small part with him there. Um Graphically, it is one of the most pretty games out there. It still looks amazing, even though it's kind of like a couple of years old. Um, the first Battlefront had that too. I mean, the game runs on the Frostbite engine, but I don't know what they did with this game because I personally think in some aspects, it looks better than Battlefield Five. Battlefield Five came after Star Wars Battlefront. Wow, really? Yeah, I don't know what it is, but every time I turn it on on my PlayStation, I'm like, holy crap, this looks so nice. I even played it on PC in 4K, and it looks beautiful. I think part of it is probably because the gatekeepers of the Star the Star, the Star Wars franchise are also kind of like, well, it has to look like this, otherwise you can't do it. I don't know about that part, but that's cool. And it's I don't know what they do. But I mean, that's how they've always like that's how Lucas Arts games has always been operating. Yeah, that could be like maybe from um, a content or story point of view, because I know that they did that for. Um, fallen order that they were really picky mm-hmm. about what should be in it but i don't know if they have like a say in oh it needs to be this from a graphical fidelity point of view i think that's kind of also up to the developer because if it's a good game yeah. and it has a good story and that is approval it should be fine right i mean yeah, i can remember um, what was the what was the game called star wars rogue squadron on the gamecube mm-hmm. that was a pretty fun game and i never expected that on the game and it didn't look that pretty True. But anyways, um, uh-huh. <laughs> anyways, so um, you also have the multiplayer, and then the multiplayer they started adding in more and more features. So because after the game came out, I played it for like a month or two, and then I just stopped playing it. And now recently, I picked off, uh, picked it up again, and it's just they've added so much content. They added so much features and improvements to the game you know they've made it a bit more accessible for some for other people you can have the whole clone wars are in there so you can do the battle of genosis or the the battle on kashik is there uh, there's even a, a battle that the uh federation attacks kamino so the, the clone wars planet the clone facilities planet um, they've added new game modes such as capital supremacy which is a mode that came over from battlefield 2142 so what happens is is 
you start on the ground, you need to capture objectives. When you capture those objectives, you go up into space to knock out the enemy's uh, carrier. And then you need to do missions there. And if you succeed, you blow it up, you win. If you fail, you go back down to the planet and you start all over again, all in the same game. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's in that there. For example, cool. you have a hero uh, mission so that you can like uh, fight uh, heroes against heroes. So you can choose like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was after added later, or uh, General Grievous, or Han Solo. You know, all your favorite characters are in there. Um, the big game also works kind of like with a point system so that if you do things in multiplayer, like kill people or assist, you get points. And then if you have enough points, you can choose to play with a hero or choose to fly in a jet or choose to get a stronger soldier. Um, there's weapon customization in there, upgradeability. You have these playing cards that add um, certain benefits, such as that the blast radius of your grenades improve or that your health regenerates faster and you can level up those cards. But there's a pretty deep um, system in there that, that, motiv- meta- yeah, that motivates you yeah. to just keep on playing. And I just... Is the player base still there, though? Yeah, because every I played it on PlayStation, and every time I just said "matchmake me," it like within a few seconds put me into a game, and it was good. Wow, really? Yeah, huh. yeah. So, is it on sale anywhere? I don't know. We can have a quick look. I know that the PlayStation is that, sale like is if it over. if there's like a decent if it's like there for a decent price, I might actually pick it up. Although check. someone else would probably say I should pick something else up. But... Let's see. Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, yeah. If I look it up, I get the old Battlefront, not the new Battlefront. <laughs> Let's see. Xbox, PlayStation. You can buy it for 21 euros. That's oh. a steal. That is a steal. You order it today, you'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, but I bought it digitally. Otherwise, I would have given lend it to you. But yeah, you know, it's a it's a fun game, and it kind of captures that Star Wars momentum uh, that uh, that people expect or wanted. You know, and yeah, they messed up in the beginning, but they fixed it afterwards by just patching it up. Because even after a while, they would release these videos on their YouTube channel showing what kind of things they added. I was like, mm-hmm. oh crap, this game is still being supported and in development. Wow, I actually love that. Wow, nice. Yeah. Cool. So that's my hidden gem. Go check it out. It's a really fun game and you won't regret it. Cool. That is, wow, I was actually not expecting the player base to still be there. So that's cool. It's still being supported. There's still people playing it. I think the player base uh... on the PlayStation was the biggest. Ah, okay. There you go. Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, uh, you can catch us on Anchor, which is our home. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on any podcasting service that you prefer. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on the Google Play Store. We are on Overcast, Stitcher, whatever podcasting service you uh, like to be on. Um, you can always send us feedback at GameRivalsFeedback at gmail.com. Um, you can send us feedback through our Twitter, which is at game underscore rivals underscore. You can send me feedback on Twitter, which is at Maximilian. You can uh, send us a voice message. The link is in the description of this episode or in the description of the podcast in general. You don't need an anchor account. You can just click on the link and send us a audio message, either uh, feedback on the show or a question and you might even be featured on uh, game rivals um you can also hit us up on instagram uh we've been trying to be more active there kind of teasing the next episode um hopefully we can tease more stuff on there maybe games that we've been playing um do maybe some five second reviews on there who knows um it's instagram you can do fun stuff there um Am I missing anything else? Uh, no, I think I got everything. Uh, Sean Temple, you want to add something to that? Um, not really. If people have like, a, if if the survey is still going on, you know, try to fill it in. Um, we've got it. We've got. It's going on for a little bit longer. I think I'm gonna end it by the end of February. Okay, cool. You know, we need to get that feedback in. 
what we're noticing right now is just it's so quiet in the game industry right now. There's not a lot of releases happening or events happening. Um, so now is the time that we have some flexibility to experiment with new things if you want. Um, otherwise, these episodes will always be the hour episode <laughs> instead of what we're used to. Um, and, yeah, you know, like we love doing this. It's just hard to create content if there's not a lot of things to talk about. So maybe we should do crazy stuff like, you know, uh, play a game while we're recording this so we can live share our thoughts or something like that. I don't know. Let us know if you have any ideas. We can always try it out because now is the right time to do it. Yeah. Before uh, March hits and then uh, Animal Crossing will make me go ghost. And uh, you won't hear from me for the next six months. I'll be doing this <laughs> podcast all alone, little old me. <laughs> you know, until The Last of Us comes and then, you know, there's no more podcast. Yeah, you, <laughs> you won't find me at least, you know. <laughs> or I'll do like one of those 24-hour uh, streams that I'll just stream everything. And then that's actually something we could do. Yeah, that is something that we could do. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully in the near future we'll be able to do stuff like that. So, once again, thank you guys for listening. I have been Maximilian X, and I have been and always will be Sean Templer. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.